Hey, my name is Jason. I'm the producer of Relationship Radio. I wanted to let you know that we have a brand new website solely dedicated to working on your pies. Introducing itstartswithattraction.com. You can listen to every episode, learn about the pies, and sign up for our weekly newsletter. Go to itstartswithattraction.com. It starts with attraction, one word. It starts with attraction.com to get signed up today. We hear it all the time when people say, my child is, is going to be fine. My child is going to be fine no matter what happens with the divorce or with the family or with whatever may be going on in the separation and in our marriage. And here's the thing. We actually don't know if that's completely true. Consider it this way. If I fall down the stairs and I break my leg, then can my leg heal? Yes, absolutely, my leg can heal, but it's not going to heal and it's not going to get better if I don't do something about it. You see, I have to go to the doctor. I have to get a cast on my leg when I break it. I have to go to physical therapy. I have to do the things that it takes in order to heal my leg. But so often when our marriages are going through crisis and we have children, we can forget those things that we always think about when we're thinking about our own personal health and our own wellness, or even about our children when our child gets sick or when someone else might hit them on the playground. We're always thinking about how can we make sure that our children stay healthy and that they can continue to have a healthy future. But for some reason, there's a disconnect when we start thinking about the divorce process. And a lot of times people just step back and they say, well, my kids or my child is going to be fine. They'll be fine. Can the children be fine? Yes, they can be resilient. They can learn how to be resilient, but they don't know it innately. It's not like a child could be tossed out into the middle of of the wilderness and just know how to survive off the top of their head. And it's very similar to the divorce process. When the two people in a child's life are the two people that they've seen model love and and commitment and all of those things, when that begins to break up, it doesn't, necess- it doesn't mean that the child knows how to deal with it. The child has to be taught these things and taught how to do it. Now, let me start off the program today by saying that we are not about blame. We're not blaming anyone. And if you're in the middle of a divorce process, then we hear you and we feel for you and we are here for you. And this is not about blame. This is about figuring out how can we make sure that children are protected and children are able to become the most resilient and the healthiest that they can be, no matter what situation might come to them in their life. I'm Kimberly Holmes. I'm the CEO at Marriage Helper, and this is Marriage Helper's podcast. We call it Marriage Radio. But today we have a special guest on with one of our other divisions at Marriage Helper. We have a division called What About Me? And at whataboutme.org, you'll see it kind of in its beginning stages right now. We'll get a little bit more later into the program about What About Me? org is and what all it's going to entail. But today I have with me joining, we have Justin Prince, who is our program director 
for What About Me. Justin, um, so glad to have you on today. Thank you, Kimberly. Thank you for having me on. I'm, I'm excited to, to be here today, excited to talk a little bit about resilience. Uh, and more than anything, I'm excited to talk about this topic of how we can move from uh, really really moving completely away from blame, but moving in towards, into healing. And, mm-hmm. and I'm really excited to jump in today. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. We always love having you on. You're really great at what you do, very gifted, very smart, and moving What About Me along in a really great direction. So I want to talk about What About Me a little bit towards the end of the program, but as we start, you know, we were talking at the beginning, talking about what is this, that when people say, my child will be resilient, or my kids can be resilient, what is it that you think that they mean and then what is resilience actually? Got it, got it. So that's a big question, and that's actually something I hear quite often. So, okay, one, what is this resilience? And two, um, you know, my, my children will be resilient. So we have to unpack that just a little bit. So first of all, when you're, when you're hearing this question, you have to stop and ask, okay, so why is this question being posed? You know, what, what's going on here? What's, what's really happening? And that really is is really the, the purpose of this program and the purpose of What About Me is, is really that's the question that the child is asking. So something is going on at home. And I know we'll talk more about the program here later on, but it, it's really the, the purpose there that the child is in the middle of something that's going on at home, whether that's a divorce or a separation, or even it's, if it's just a broken home in and of itself, the child is the one who's asking, you know, what, what about me? You know, I, I recognize things are going on and I recognize things are happening you know, with the marriage, but a lot of times what can happen, and what you were mentioning earlier, Kimberly, is, 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 is the parents and these individuals who are adults have learned how to, how to heal a broken leg or a broken relationship, and they're going through these normal processes, but when you're dealing with a child, the, the child doesn't have those same skills. They haven't lived that same life. So when the question that the, the a parent or the adult may be asking is like, oh, yeah, uh, my child will be resilient there's a lot into that, and there's a lot that we have to unpack. So one of the first things I want to say is, you know, resilience is something that is it, it is not something that removes all the effects of what's happening, and it never will. Um, and that's the first step I'd, I'd like to, to be able to address is uh, a divorce or a separation or a broken home will leave an impact, and it will leave an effect. And it can be something as small as, well, I just wish we'd get together for the holidays all the way to – complete dysfunction into how the child can process life and are they worthy and are, should they be loved. And uh, essentially, it, it can also lead children to looking for love and attention in the wrong places. But that was just a little bit to begin to unpack sort of, sort of where I'm coming from. I like that. So if we were looking at this kind of as a myth buster, then myth number one would be my child's going to be resilient and resilience means that this divorce isn't going to affect them. Exactly, exactly. So it it is a myth to think a divorce will not affect a child in any way. I would say everything is on the spectrum. Divorce isn't a moment, it's a process. And so for a child, especially, a divorce will leave an impact. Now, what level on our spectrum of impact is, is the question here? Of course, if something is happening at home, if something happens at all, the, the focus of what about me is to help that child. That's, that's where our focus is. 
Because what we want is we want every child to live a happy, healthy life. And so for us to be able to do that, we have to unpack what, what the common misconceptions may be of, of resilience. And the first of them is it won't leave an impact. There will be an impact. That's the first thing that has to be accepted. There, there will leave an impact, whether it's you know, minimal and small, you know, and there's ways to, to overcome to build that resilience. But it can also be something if disregarded and just said, oh, you know, it won't leave an impact. That, that is the worst approach to be able to come in and say, oh, it will leave absolutely no impact on my child. The child will be fine. They're resilient. That is, is completely turning your back on knowledge or turning your back on and really your child and saying, you know, my child will make it. They're fine. Let me just throw them out into the world. They can completely understand and cope when they're seven or eight years old. That's, that, I would say, is probably the most dangerous approach um, mm. of any. Mm. Let me let's talk about another myth before we go into these to the into the three phases of resilience and what we're the meat of what we're going to talk about. But myth number two being divorce won't affect my child if they're really young or if they're really old. Yeah. Okay. So divorce again in separation. I'm speaking to them at, at large. Uh, a younger child, yes, of course, there, there can be impacts. And now, again, there are ways to mediate the impacts and ways to, to lessen uh, essentially what's happening throughout the spectrum. So one, if, well, we'll start with the, the older child. So one, an older child has built a framework for understanding life, right? So we'll say, you know, they're 17, they're 18, they're, they're getting to the place that they're about to leave the nest. So the child has had an understanding of what is and, and upbringing, you know, what a two-parent household may look like, what love and attention may be experienced throughout the parents. And so for them, they've had a framework for understanding and coping, but that doesn't explain the fact that how they have modeled relationships has been around the, their parents. That's how they see it. And then when you see that break, that is going to leave them at a place where they're going, wait a minute, this is what I understand to be true, and this is what's happening they're going to have to learn how to develop their relationships in a different way. Now, it may not impact them as much in their personal well-being and who they are and are they loved because they may have had much longer of time to be able to establish this thing and say, hey, you know, for 17 or 18 years, you know, I, I have this understanding of who I am, I'm loved, I am these things. Whereas when you're dealing with a younger child, you may see some of those really basic questions that may seem illogical to, a, to an adult, but for a child who's saying, wait, you know, I'm, I'm six or I'm five, my, my dad doesn't tuck me in at night, he must not love me. That, that direct connection, it may seem illogical, but to the child, that's what they think. Because for them at that age, they can't understand, you know, broad, abstract complexes of relationships, but they, they understand tangible things like, well, if he doesn't tuck me in, he must not love me. Well, what did I do? And the child may assume guilt of thinking, oh, they did something to cause dad to not be there. And so you can see the impacts can be completely varied, but there's still an impact and an effect. Um, and, it, and it's really common to see the effects vary, but the whole purpose of what we're talking about is for, the, for us to lessen those impacts. So where the child has a process for understanding at age five all the way to age 17 because they, there is an impact. And it may be something that is, is lesser or saying, you know, I wish we'd get back together for the holidays. I miss those moments of having my family together all the way to where we're dealing with a child who's planting those seeds saying, am I loved? Did I cause this? And the last thing we want to do is leave a child at that early, or at any age to be able to, to grapple with these really difficult questions because when they're left in isolation alone, 
thinking these thoughts and asking these questions, that's when, that's when things get a little more dangerous, I would say, and the child being left to deal with life on their own. Yeah. We have a person on our team at Marriage Helper who, and this is just to, to really symbolize how we do, this isn't about blame and we don't want anyone to feel beat up for a divorce that has happened or is happening or anything like that. But one of the, one of the people on our team at Marriage Helper uh, divorced her husband and the father of her child when the child was very young, like younger than a year old, I believe. And so, but she did it because, you know, the, the dad was an addict addicted to many different types of drugs, pretty hardcore drugs. And so it was more for safety of her and her child. And so even in a situation like that, where you can understand, you know, why she's doing it and why it's happening. And even though her daughter was so young when the divorce happened, you know, now the daughter's three, four years old, and, but there's still questions. And even though the daughter didn't remember the divorce or anything like that because she was so young, she still is having a lot of questions now. So we can still see it's affecting her. That doesn't necessarily mean she's destined for failure, that she's destined for bad relationships. It doesn't mean any of those things. But the, the real gold here is in the way that the mom responds to her in the way that the mom answers those questions, in the way that the mom helps her understand what's going on. Because if those were either ignored or, you know, the mom threw the dad under the bus or just depending on the way it's handled depends on how her daughter is going to see life going forward. She's really setting up a framework for her to have good relationships, or bad relationships, and she's doing a great job, the mom is, she's doing absolutely fabulous, she's an amazing mother, so, you know, we see how this happens, even if the child is super, super young, or like you were saying, where the child's older, or maybe when they're, when they're in the middle, more of like that six, five, four, five, six year age gap, mm-hmm. there's an effect at every stage of it, and if we put our blindfolds on, and we just say, it's not going to affect them, then we're missing the point. Exactly, and exactly, and it, more than anything, this is about this is about hope, and this is about everyone saying, you know what, you know, we're going to set aside why the divorce, the, the blame, things like that, because people get lost in that component of it, and they're lost in saying, well, you did this, and well, you did that, and in this back and forth exchange, you're missing the child who's in the middle of this life moment, mm-hmm. and. And they are the focus of this program. And, you know, nothing ever will come into this with, from the program saying, well, why did you do this to the parent? And, you know, well, you parents should have done this. You parent, no, we're, we're setting all that aside. You know, that, that is not the focus. The focus is here we are. We need to learn how to best equip this child for the best life they can have. That's the focus. And, and that's where we're going to put, put all the attention on what about me. It is on the child. Now, there's going to be parts where we're like, all right, so parent. How's one of the best ways we can help the child? There's going to be a little bit of that. That's like, how can you best help yourself to help your child? Because if you're if you're struggling and you're 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 dealing with depression, you're dealing with loss, it's going to be harder to help your child. So there's going to be components of that, but there's never going to be a component of saying, well, you should have done this, and well, you should have done that. This is your fault. No, we're not doing that. We're, we're not about that. We're about healing. We're about providing hope and help to that child so they can live the best life that they can. 
Absolutely. And then the final myth, so we have three myths that we've that we talked about. The first one being my child being resilient means that divorce won't affect them. Uh, and that's a myth. Number two, divorce won't affect my child if they're really young or if they're really old. And then the final one is my relationship with my child will be exactly the same. Yeah. Okay. So the relationship is going to change from the parent to the child. It's going to change. Um, every, every relationship is really going to change because what's happening in, in an intact household or an intact family is there are, there are family roles and there are family relationships. But when there's a split or a dysfunction, we'll say, in the family, there, there's changes. There's positions in the role that may change. If there's a two-parent household, now there's a one-parent household, there's going to be some changes in roles, especially if you may have one parent who's the disciplinarian and the other parent who's more of, we'll say, um, the advocate for the child. So now if, if one of the parents is gone, let's say the disciplinarian leaves, the other parent may have to assume both roles. So there's going to be changes in the parent-child relationship. It is inevitable. But that's not saying these changes are something that are drastic or bad, but there will be some changes. You may see both of these parents now take a little bit of both roles, but which is healthy because we don't want one parent to be enabling and the other parent to have to hold the discipline for both sides. And there may be some areas of imbalance that happens, but what you want for the child is to be able to retain a healthy parent-child relationship. And that isn't always giving the child everything they want. And that's another thing. That may not be healthy for the child to give the child everything they want. But I would say a, a big myth is that there will be no change in the parent-child relationship. There will be a change. But how you recognize, how you understand these changes, and how you help continue to strengthen that parent and child relationship is really going to help the child in the long run. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And that segues into what the meat of this is, which is what are the three parts of resilience and what do these children need in each of these three areas to help them to become resilient? And also, you know, somewhere in here, or maybe you might want to answer this question before even getting into that, but what is the healthy expectation of what resilience looks like? What should we expect that to look like for a child? Got it, got it. Okay, so, and there's a lot in that. So I'm going to start, yeah. I'm going to take it apart piece by piece. So the first thing is, what is a healthy expectation of resilience? Um, so there, resilience is, is broader than many people think. Um, now, if you were to just go into definitions, you know, resilience is the ability to just to thrive or to overcome something. So if something is happening, how do I overcome that and continue on? The thing I would say is, is similar to what you gave for the example in the beginning is a broken leg. So if, you, if you've broken your leg, um, you're never going to forget you've broken your leg. Um, your, your leg may heal. You may, of course, be able to run again and be able to go, but the, the effect of a broken leg is going to leave an impact. It will. How it heals especially is going to leave an impact. If you're able to, one, see a doctor and get proper treatment and be able to work and heal and, and focus on the leg and give it the time and attention it needs to be able to heal properly, yes, oh, yeah, you can run. Sometimes you can run faster after your leg, you know, it has been broken and healed because it's been given the time to heal, to heal properly. But um, it can also, if neglected, um, you may not be able to run again. And so resilience is, is similar in that same fashion of saying, what has to happen with resilience is it's a multifaceted thing that you say, all right, I understand something has happened. I understand that there's an impact that have happened. But 
what I want for you to be able to understand is this is something that's going to affect you. You're going to know you've had a broken leg. I can't tell you, oh, you've never had a broken leg before. And you're like, well, what are you talking about? I remember last year I had a broken leg. But is going to be able to happen is with time, attention, and care, the child can be able to run again. And so that's something you need to be able to see with resilience is that it's, it's something that takes time and it's something that takes focus and attention, but it is something that is able to happen. Now, again, it's not overnight. More, more than anything, you have to understand divorce and separation in a broken home is a, is a lifelong process. The child's never going to, you know, forget. Um, and that's not something they should forget, but it's something that you can be able to say, hey, you are healthy, you are strong, these are things that we can overcome. So as a healthy understanding, it's something that is done over time as a process, and it's something that if given adequate time, attention, and care, the child should be able to run again. Uh, I don't know if that answered your question directly. I know resilience is, is a lot. We're going to unpack it more. But let me know if that helped address a little bit of the expectation of, of resilience. Absolutely. So what I, what I have here, what I've written down was, that the child will remember the divorce, and that's okay. So in, in, if you're monitoring your child through this process and you're like, okay, once they do this, this, that, and the other, then I'll know they're resilient and that they weren't affected as terribly as they could have been and that we did things right. But really what we're saying is there's not a checklist that you can kind of look at at the end of resilience because, number one, it's a process. And it'll continue throughout their whole life, but it may be the most, uh, well, you know, I say it may be most needed in the first little bit of time after a divorce happens, but some children, they hold it in and it's not until years later where they start expressing uh, the frustration or the hurt or the pain that's associated with it. So just knowing that it's a process and that it's okay for your child to remember the pain, to remember the hurt, to remember the fact that it happened because that's part of life. It doesn't mean that the child's not resilient, but it just means that that's the way that they're processing it. Exactly. Exactly. Because I think that one of the most dangerous parts is to be able to not acknowledge it and to be able to pretend like it never existed. Like my Mm. parents divorced maybe, you know, eight or nine, maybe closer to 10 years ago now. But, you know, here I am, you know, I've grown, I have children of my own. I still miss the ability to be able to have all my parents together or, or, you know, Christmases and things like, you know, I will forever miss that. However, Mm -hmm. I understand now what I went through as a child and what I went through as an adult in, in, you know, having relationships of my own. Now it's something that I acknowledge what has happened. I see some of the pain that I went through, but I see ways that I can, I can help and I can get back and I could say, Hey, there are other people that are similar to me, similar ages, and they're struggling with life with, relationships based on what they've seen and I can Mm -hmm. see children who've been through some of the same things and the natural instinct is when you're when you've gone through something painful or you've gone through something that you know was really maybe traumatic for you is to isolate and to pull away and to not want to talk about it and that isolation is the hardest and the most damaging because you're left alone with those thoughts just like when you were a child at five and six and you're saying am I loved and when you internalize those questions and you leave them alone that's when things get more dangerous because now you're asking really hardcore questions. Am I loved? Am I worthy of being loved? Do I have value? And things like that that you shouldn't leave in isolation. So absolutely, it is a process. It's a lifelong process, but it's not something for us to say, oh, we've just ruined the child forever. They, you know, they, there's nothing they can do of value. You know, the child is completely you know, 
traumatized. No, no, it's it's a traumatic event. I'll say yes. It's something that's that's hard to overcome, but everything is possible with children. Children can be and they have every ability to succeed, but we need to give them those abilities and we need to give them the strength to be able to overcome and to be able to be resilient. But it doesn't happen just on its own. There are some abilities, and I know I'm stepping into you know the components of of resilience, but and it, I'll stop there. I'll stop there. I don't want to. I don't want to talk too long and give every component just yet. Well, let's let's move into it because I think people listening right now are like, uh, "What are they? <laughs> you're you're leaving me hanging." And so, you know, I think we've I think we've covered the basis of, you know, we're not we're not sitting here saying this is something you should beat yourself up with that you should use to beat your spouse or your ex-spouse up with during this process. But really this is about coming together if that's possible. But even if the other spouse or the the other parent refuses to be involved in this process, it's just as important for the willing parent to do it, even if they're doing it alone, because as you said multiple times, the kid needs, the children need help. They need guidance. They need assistance. They need all these things. So how does a child become resilient? Got it. Um, and that was a great, great introduction to this. And the big thing that I like to focus on is the child never asked to be brought into this world. But it's our responsibility to help the child live a happy, healthy life in this world. So when you first have to approach it, and it may be difficult, and it may be hard, but you want to give your child every opportunity to succeed. And so when someone says, and, and this is something I hear quite often, you know, that the children are fine, they are resilient. What they're saying to me right there is they really don't know what resilience is, and they really don't know how to equip a child with resilience. Because resilience in and of itself, to, to promote resilience, there are it's really focused on three components. And one is the individual themselves. So if I am a resilient individual, I may have certain characteristics that may help me be resilient. Certain things like, okay, you know, I'm, I'm social. I have strong communication skills. You know, I'm easygoing. I don't really have a lot of anxiety. Those are certain individual characteristics. And so for some children, you're like, oh, okay, you know, I've got, I've got two kids. You know, I have I'm Jane, and Jane's just easygoing. She makes friends at school. She's got a lot of mentors. She really connects with people. And then I have, I have Joe, um, and, and Joe's really kind of keeps to himself. You can tell he kind of internalizes and bottles up, and then eventually things will just, they'll just blow up. Um, and those are different characteristics. And those are, you know, sometimes they're not necessarily environmental, um, but that's just kind of how the child may be. So those are individual characteristics that can contribute to resilience. And now, again, look at resilience on the spectrum. You may have, let's say, let's start on the far left end and where you were working with, I don't want to say a zero, but we're working with a really low-scale resilience. And then on the, the far right end, you may have, you know, a high level of resilience. And so these three components help contribute to the level of resilience. So with, with a child, we'll say Jane and Joe. Jane over here, um, there's Joe. Um, Jane over here has a lot of individual characteristics for resilience. So she may move a little bit farther over where we have Joe who's just barely, you know, teetering. He's just got a little bit of characteristics that help contribute to resilience. So that's individual. The next step is, is family. And this may be extended family. It may not be, you know, blood family, but it, it may be guardians. It may be really close friends. This is aunts. This is uncles. This is grandparents. These are people that can step into the child's life and help. They can help keep the child going. They can help say, hey, that leg looks, 
looks broken. Let's take a look at it. Let's go to the doctor. Let me, let me take you. I know mom is busy. Let me take you to the doctor so we can, we can get that leg checked out. Because what that does is that extends the ability for the child to get support, to help, help encourage this resilience. And so, as you could say, if, if someone is coming in there saying to the child, oh, you're resilient, they're relying strictly on that child's individual characteristics to help them get through a really traumatic or difficult time in life. So they're, they're not even looking at the, the additional components that go into it. So first is individual, second is family, and third is more community aspects. Now, community aspects um, are things like school. They're things like church or faith groups. They're things like, you know, sports, um, a, a Girl Scouts, Boy Scouts, they're the community aspect that can help step in and say, hey, you know, uh, Joe, I know, I know your mom's been really busy lately. I'll just come pick you up for the Boy Scout meeting. Or, you know, um, it's, you know, Joe's mom's friend who's like, I know Joe's got a soccer game. I'll step in and help, I'll help take him to soccer. And so what you're doing is you're building these, these factors and you're helping the child move to more, uh, a more resilient place. And what that does is that helps someone like our, our example, Joe here, who is, who's, you know, not necessarily has the most individual characteristics, but what he does have is a grandma who's really involved. You can help take him to the doctor when his leg is broke and uh, some family friends or some community that can say, Hey, I'll take Joe to the soccer game. And what that does is that removes that child from that place of isolation and that helps surround the child with more support. And the more support you have, the more factors you're, you're giving that are helpful and positive, the more resilient that opportunity, the more opportunities that child has to be resilient. Um, and so it moves them along further in, in, we'll say, a positive state to get out of what, what they may be struggling with. So let me ask you this question. Is it just as good for a child to have a strong community uh, around them and maybe it's not their parents that are as involved with them as the child would like, but if a, a grandma or an aunt or a sibling steps in, is that enough to help the child become resilient or is there something about a parent that can't be replaced? Yeah, um, that's a great question. Is, is this enough? Um, and, I, and I think that question is, is really asking, you know, do I, do I have to do more? Um, to help my child succeed? And that's a really hard question to answer because every child is different. You know, you may help Jane out, and Jane may be social and outgoing and seem totally fine, and you, you know, you have family who help, and then you, you find out five or six years later when she starts getting into older relationships that, you know, she may appear to be fine, but she's not. So I would say it is really hard to judge when the child has reached resilience and they've overcome something. Um, what I would say is you want to give your child every opportunity possible. And I know some of these may be really hard, um, but there are instances of when a grandparent can step in and help. But at the same time, a parent is really, you know, is really one of the most valuable resources a child has to succeed in life. And if a parent is not there, it's not saying someone else can't step in and can help. That, that's completely possible. But a parent is, is essentially the child's most valuable resource, even for just for basic survival, you know, a, a parent helps and it adds so much to a child to help them succeed that it's really hard to say something can replace that. But at the same time, if that parent is not there and there is an, a, there is an absent place, 
Oh, yeah, there's a lot of room that a, a guardian or a grandparent can step in and can help give that child some additional opportunities to succeed. What I'd say, first of all, is why just one? Give the child every opportunity. Let's say, I, you know, I, I want, you know, if a parent is not involved, I want, I want to get some family around. I want to get some support around. If you don't have family, that's fine. I want some friends around. I want some people that can step in to help be there for the child because what's going to happen is, Throughout this process that the child is going through, there's going to be vulnerable moments and there's going to be teachable moments. And there's going to be moments where that child is going to stop and they're going to say, this is helpful. And it may be the child when he's on a Boy Scouts trip and, you know, they're all chopping wood and, and the child looks around and, you know, someone's there and like, man, you're awesome, Joe. And, you know, maybe it's four or five people are like, man, Joe, you're, you're good, dude, man. You can help get that wood and, man, you can chop that wood. And what that's doing is it's helping that child build that self-esteem. And, that's about, and it may be something so small but you want to give that child that opportunity because let's say, you know, instead of going to Boy Scouts, he just decides to stay at home, you know, and just, and just sit in his room. He's, he's missing opportunities to help him continue to be resilient and to overcome something because the child is going to question. They may question when they're 10. They may question when they're 12. They may question when they're 25 and they're in, you know, their first serious relationship and they're going, oh, man, am I worthy of love? You know, you know I, I, don't, I don't know if I am. The child is going to hit those points, and they're going to question. And, it, you know, as, as the example you're giving of a staff member, the reason the child at three and four is beginning to ask questions is because they're, they're looking, and they're seeing other relationships, and they're seeing other children that are similar to them. And they're saying, well, you know, why, are, why is this happening to me? You know, I, I see this kid, and this is happening over here. And they're reaching that age when they can begin to ask. And so, and stepping back, I know this is a really long explanation for your question, but children deserve every opportunity, and not just enough. You know, it's it's not like we're you know we're trying to get an A, an A and so we'll get a you know a ninety. You know, a, a child we we got to give them a hundred percent. You know, because the child is going to pick up things and they're going to learn things along the way. And you want to give 100% because you want your child to succeed. And we want your child to succeed. And that's what we're doing is we're, we're focusing on giving you as much knowledge, as many skills, as many things as possible because it's not going to be the same. It's not a roadmap for every child and every child's the same. You know, families are different. Every situation is different. Every, every broken home, every, every child's characteristics – but what we want to do is give every single opportunity. That way every child gets the best uh, at all times because you never know. You know, for one child, it may be that uncle that steps in and says, hey, I'm going to take you fishing on, you know, every third Tuesday of the month. You know, and that may be that time when that child's going, you know, hey, that's cool. You know, someone, someone believes in me. I have some value. Or for one kid, it may be, you know, a, a, a church group or a youth group or a youth trip. or yeah, You never know what it is, but you want to give every child every opportunity. Sorry, that was a long, long explanation. It's great. Do you think that children know enough about themselves to be able to answer a question? If the parent asks them saying, you know, what is it? Is there something you would like to do? Do you enjoy going on the church outings? Do you enjoy doing fishing with your uncle? Is that something you want to keep doing? Do you think there's a way for a parent to figure out what their child enjoys and what they want more of instead of just not knowing and trying to to guess at some of these things oh yeah i mean i would say 
A number one, communication is the best way. Um, guessing is hard, especially, you know, it depends if you're in those teenage years and the child's like, well, I'm naturally entering this state of isolation where I'm like, I'm an adult, I'm not, it gets a little, a little more difficult there, but um, A number one, communicate. What, what, what do you enjoy doing? And, you know, for examples of Jane and Joe, Jane may be like, you know, I just love hanging out with friends. Awesome. Joe, it may be, we're on the fourth thing. You didn't like, you know, Boy Scouts. Yeah, you didn't like, you know, karate. You didn't like soccer. But, man, whoo, we found a chess group, you know, and that's it. <laughs> you know, and, and it may be that. But, I mean, that's, that is the life of a parent. You know, you are you're willing to take as many, as many chances to get your child out there because you know community is going to be good for your child. It is going to be good because it helps add additional areas where that child can be positively, you know, reinforced and given more opportunities to be resilient, to speak to themselves in a way that can continue to build them. But, yeah, start with communication. I wouldn't, I wouldn't say, you know, let's say Joe completely doesn't like being in karate. And you're like, you're doing karate. You know, I don't think that would be, you know, necessarily helpful. But at the same time, in the parent-child relationship, you, you know what's best for your child. Um, and your child may just want to sit in their room and eat candy all day. Of course, you're going to know that's not right, but that's what the child will want. So there's some levels of, of being an adult and being a parent where you've got to say, hey, all right, we're going to go, and we're going to go to the park today, and we're going to hang out with some family friends. And the child's like, no, I just want to sit in my room and watch movies and eat candy. Uh, you know the child, you know, obviously shouldn't be eating candy. So there's some levels of, of being a parent. There's some levels we have to step in and say, hey, we're going to do this um, because it's better for you in the long run. You, you may not know that. But, of course, if, if you know, you're, you're entering in communication, like, hey, what did you think about going to soccer? You know, and they're like, I hated it. You know, and they're like, well, we're going to give it, you know, four tries, and after the four tries, we'll see what you think, and, and, that's, and that's it. Um, mm-hmm. So there's, there's levels of being a parent, but at the same time, um, communication is best, always, always, uh, before, during, after, always communicate. That is the key to the parent-child relationship. So we've talked about the three parts of resiliency, which are the individual resiliency, family resiliency, and community resiliency, or we probably wouldn't put resiliency after each of those, but resiliency has the individual characteristics, which are those that some kids have naturally, like you were talking about mm-hmm. as being easygoing, social, communication skills, and really this is just very dependent on a child's temperament and personality. Um, So some children, you know, it's more of an obstacle for them, but definitely still not something that can't be overcome. And then there's the family part of it, which is having additional family support, the grandparents, aunts, uncles, and then the community, things like school, Boy Scouts, church, communities that can engage and support um, outside of the home, really. So a child knows, you know, it's not just in my home that I can get this these this feedback and this interaction and this friendship and this relationship, but I, I can have them with other people outside of my family as well. So what else in those three parts, how, how can you go about starting to implement those with your child? Exactly. All right. So when you, now you have a really good understanding. So, you know, resilience and helping a child be resilient isn't just dependent on themselves individually. There's other components, like you said, you know, family and community. But what I want to focus on right now is really building the bridge on how to, how to really activate, how to engage some of these things. And they all start, one, with that parent-child relationship. 
They really do. So I'm just going to focus on, I know I could talk for quite a while, but I'm just going to focus on really three tangible ways to help kind of build that resilient relationship with your child because that's where it starts. Um, and the first of these is, is honesty. Um, now, age-appropriate honesty, but it's really honesty between you and the child. Um, and, and that's, like we were saying in the beginning, that's acknowledging that something has happened, something has changed in, in the household. Now, again, if your child's 17, your conversation is going to look a lot different than how it would for like a six-year-old. But it's really honesty and acknowledging what's happening and what they're feeling. Um, and, and not, again, not predicting what they're feeling and not imposing what they're feeling, but really just being like, hey, you know something's going on. You know something's happening. And I just, I, I want to I hear from you. I, I want to hear from you as, as, you know, my child. Um, what are you feeling? What are you, what's got going on? And, and the child may respond. They may engage in that communication. They may, you know, jump in and say, you know what, I'm feeling like this and that and this. And in this situation, you may have Jane, like for example, jump in and say, you know what, you know, mom or dad, I'm feeling, you know, sad. I'm feeling alone. But again, if for that child to be able to identify what they're, they're feeling and to be able to express that, that's a huge step up on an individual characteristic to be able to acknowledge how they're feeling and express that. For, for you know, many children, depending on their age, and we'll use our example of Joe, Joe just may be like, nothing. And it's like, well, tell me how you're feeling. It's just like, I don't want to talk about it. Yeah, you may see, you may see that. But when you're, you're acknowledging the fact that something has happened, you're coming to the child, obviously in an age-appropriate way, you're not going to come in and be like, so this is what happened, you know, the lawyer said this, this is what it happened, and, you know, this is what it's going to No, no, that's, that's not helpful. But when you acknowledge what's happened and you leave room for that child to open in communication, that's a huge first step in helping that parent-child relationship because it may not happen then. It may happen three weeks later on a car ride at home, you know, from Walmart. You know, a child's like, why did this happen, you know? It, it may it may happen like that. Um, so I'd say that's a number one is that honest, age appropriate um, communication and acknowledging what's happening. Um, and I'm going to jump into two. Is that okay if I, I jump into yeah, two and three? Yeah, go for it. Awesome. Okay, so one is that uh, that honest, open, age appropriate communication when you're acknowledging, and two is really that attention. So it's it takes time to be able to open these up. And it may happen. So let's say your child is, you know, five or six and, you know, they're they're upset and they're crying. It, attention is going to look different. That can be you stopping what you're doing, you know, taking what, what was going on with you. And even if it's short, like a 30-second just burst of attention where you're going to sit down and say, hey, tell me what's going on. What, 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 are, you, what are you feeling? I, I can hear you. You keep saying, mom, and you're screaming. Um, tell me what's going on. And it may be the child just being like, oh, um, I just had some homework or, you know, I just, I wanted you to look at this picture. Um, and what that's doing is that's, again, going back to one, it's, it's creating time for that attention given to the child to have those honest, open moments. Um, and so that's just as important because it's hard to have those honest, open moments if you never give attention um, because there's, there's never that opportunity to have that communication. Um, so I would say that's number two. So number one is acknowledging and giving time to have that honest um, acknowledgement of what's happened. Number two is taking time to give that attention to say, hey, you know, I, I can notice you, your room is a wreck or you've been really short with me today or you've been throwing things in your room. Let, let me just stop. Let me sit and let me listen to what's going on. And again, that's, that's hard because you're having to take what you're feeling as the parent who may be going through a lot and really kind of taking it, not necessarily getting rid of it, but setting it to the side for the moment to be able to listen to what, what your child is going through with the attention. And number three, number three is really, it's just taking advantage 
of the times to listen. Because even in all of this, you may have acknowledged, you may have given attention, but the child may be communicating and you're, 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 you're essentially making the answer for them. You're like, oh, okay, yeah, yeah, okay. Um, I get what you're thinking, and you, you finish the sentence, and you, you, you've already figured it out, and you put all the pieces of the puzzle together, and you're ready to move on. Um, and, and it's not like that for a child. You know, they may be bringing one piece to the puzzle to the table at a time and just kind of waiting, and, and that's okay. The child processes things differently in their own time, but you need to be able to take advantage of that to be able to, to stop and say, okay, so I'm hearing that you, you're feeling alone, um, you want to tell me why you said, said you're feeling alone? Uh, and what that does is that allows the child to be able to acknowledge, all right, so mom understands, dad understands what's going on. They're giving me the attention. And so when there are those opportunities, like I said, on that car ride home or walking through, you know, a checkout aisle in Walmart, and if for them it hits them at that point, they're going, you know, I saw this, you know, and this is, this is how I'm feeling. And you could easily, you know, disregard that moment and say, all right, well, we'll talk about it at home. i got to get these groceries in my bag. I, we got to go. This is not the time, not the place. You don't know when those times or those places are going to happen. But when they do, you have to take advantage of them. Because what can happen if you don't is the child can then shut off and be, you know, you know I, I was vulnerable at that moment and I shared what I was feeling and you didn't acknowledge it and you didn't give me the attention and, and you didn't really take this time and didn't really speak to what I was feeling. Instead, you're busy with your day and busy with time. Now, I realize children, are they're going to want your time. They're going to want all of it. Um, but there are some precious moments that happen, and you have to stop, and you have to take advantage of them because that's, that's that vulnerable place where the child is waiting for you to acknowledge and waiting for you to step in and say, this is what's going on. And I, I wouldn't say they happen every day. Some children may, may give that opportunity, and some children, like our Jane and Joe example, Joe may give, you know, his mom or dad maybe two random opportunities to take advantage, whereas Jane may give an opportunity every day. So really kind of summarizing the three, it's, you know, the honesty, age appropriate, but acknowledging what's happened. And two is really giving that attention. It doesn't have to be a lot, but making sure you take time to give some direct, you know, undivided attention, not where, you know, you're texting something and you're like, oh, I'm listening, but I'm texting something. Um, and then three, when those moments happen, those real, authentic, vulnerable moments, you have to take advantage of them. You have to, you have to step in and listen um, because that, that really is where the bridge begins for resiliency, for you to be able to listen to what the child is, is saying and for you to say, you know, in, in turn, there could be responses saying, hey, and I realize you, you're really frustrated with me and, and your mom and your dad, um, but maybe let's hang out with some family. Maybe let's set something up, or maybe let's go into this, because what you're doing is you're, you're listening and you're creating this, this really uh, intimate and vulnerable place in your relationship with your child that you can continue to help them build and learn and you know, live that happy, healthy life. Hmm. That's so good, and it's hard to do it can be really hard to do but again so important like you mentioned yeah absolutely and uh, again just just the knowledge of these is really the first step Uh, again Mm -hmm. life isn't easy it's not cut and dry it's not a one two three point you know they they happen in different places in different times in different processes and that's okay it's okay life isn't gonna be cut and dry and we we understand that but the first step but you've got to know, and you, you have to have this knowledge because if you don't know, 
it's so much harder to be able to do these things because you, you, you may be doing one or two, but if you don't understand what's going on, that's the hardest place because then you may be, you know, you may be trying to pry it out of your child and you're just like, you need to tell me what's going on right now and your child is just getting further and further driven into isolation. And so it, it's a process. It's not, I wouldn't say it's an easy process. It's a lifelong process. Um, and that's something that you have the entire, you have your entire life with your child to be able to work through these things. And so I wouldn't say it's something to disregard and push off for later, but I would say it's something that it's going to happen over time, and it's going to be something that is worth your time and it's worth your attention. Mm-hmm. It reminds me of a couple months ago I was going to a physical therapist because I was having a lot of back pain and all of these issues, upper back pain, all this stuff. And one of the things he said was he said, you have to stop crossing your legs when you sit and not only that but when you're standing you need to stop putting all of your weight into one hip or one leg which you know is just very normal like that's how you know when you're standing you you typically like cock your your weight onto one side of your body when I'm sitting I typically you know cross my legs and so I was like oh yeah like that's ever going to happen but it, and so this is the awareness phase, right? Like all of a sudden I was aware of these things that I was doing that were causing a lot of issues that I didn't want to have. And I was like, okay. So throughout my days, I started realizing that I was doing these things really often, like way more often than I thought I was. And so then came the point of I was still having pain and now I knew what I needed to do to stop the pain, but it was the matter of doing it. And that was, and that made all the difference because me just knowing is one thing, but me actually doing it, implementing it, changing my habit and creating new habits is what would make things go better in the future. And that's exactly what this is here. You know, you can be aware that the next time that your child comes to you and wants to talk, you might know, you know, I need to talk to them, but then you're busy, you're in the middle of something and you're like, you know what, this one time of me blowing them off is you know, it's just one time, I'll do it next time. But then you'll see in your relationship with your child that it becomes more strained, or they disconnect more, or there's, you know, some kind of barrier in between the two of you. So that next step is the pain's going to keep on happening, unless you do something to change it, and then doing what you need to change it are the things we've been talking about today. Yeah, exactly. And everything is in stages. Like you are in a stage as an adult and as a parent, like where you're going through, you're going through understanding, implementing, and then you may see effective results. You may see ineffective results and you go back through the cycle, but your child is going through the same thing. And this is something uh, I think we talked about previously in uh, a previous month or two with Joe, the, the stages that children go through. And, you know, it is a process. They have to understand what's happening. And then they go through their own, you know, periods of withdrawal and, you know, anger and guilt. They're going to go through stages themselves as well. So, but the first start for everything is really that knowledge and that understanding. Because if you don't know, you know, you, you should be, you know, leaning on one hip, then you'll continue to do it. And you may mm-hmm. be, you know, hurting yourself more. And so I would say the first step for everything is you, you've got to have an understanding and there's got to be some knowledge of what's going on. Absolutely. Well, Justin, tell us about what about me? Tell us about how amazing it's going to be, how it's going to help so many children. Tell us all the details that you can tell us right now because some of it is still under wraps, but let's hear what we can. Yeah, absolutely. So 
What about me? I'm, I'm sure throughout this process you've had a chance to get a little glimpse of what's going on, but the focus is on helping the parent, helping the child. So what we're doing is we're, of course, working with a team of researchers, um, and what they're doing is they're building a research-based model to help children be able to work through this process of, of where things are and where they are in the process to reach that place of resilience. And a lot of that is really going to be helping with the parents. You've got to help educate the parents to understand, you know, where is their child in this process? How can they help? What are some ways to be able to speak to the child? And so what we're doing right now, and if you do, feel free to go to the website. It's www.whataboutme.org. You'll see some initial content. There will be some initial blogs and posts of what's going on. But a lot of what we're doing is, is I would still say, under wraps, and it's really helping build um, I would say, an effective program for parents and children that's completely free that helps them understand where their child is, what they're going through, and how they can begin to overcome this. And so the biggest and the, one of the most important things that we're doing is we're giving attention to something that it's in isolation. Right now, um, there is not enough attention on how this is affecting children throughout their lives. And it's being normalized, and it's being looked at as, oh, well, it's normal, you know, Half of marriages end in divorce, so you know the children will be fine. Everyone goes through. That's normalizing a problem. It's not. It's not giving attention to something that's an isolation. And that I would say, what about me? Is really doing well as we're beginning to say, hey, we need to pay attention to our children. We need to be able to say, hey, this is going to affect you, but I want you to be able to overcome what's happening, and I want you to live a happy, healthy life. So what we're doing more than anything, with, you know, examples of what we're doing right now is we're helping bring knowledge to, to everyone to say, hey, this is going to affect you, but I want to be able to give you as many tools in your tool belt to help you succeed in life. Um, so that's a lot of what we're doing now. We are raising a lot of funding because things like this are expensive. Um, so if you are inclined to donate, by all means, we would love that. Um, building this program for free, um, it costs a lot. Um, and we, we want to bring the absolute best we can to parents and to children. So if, if you are inclined to donate, if you do, if this has um, put a little weight on your heart, by all means, go check us out, www.whataboutme.org, and we have a page to donate. Um, and we would absolutely appreciate anything like that because now we're, you know, we're, we're working and we've got, we've got a lot that we're wanting to do and a lot that we're wanting to be able to bring to parents and to children. Yeah, and to go just a little further into it, Justin, just speak up and say, eh, if I, if I break into something I don't need to be talking about, but it's going to be an amazing way for children to interact with it. So we want to have, you know, we want it to be top of the line, state of the art, where children feel comfortable interacting with this material. Because the last thing children want to do is feel embarrassed or feel like what they're watching is cheesy because then it doesn't do any good. The parents might love it, but the children aren't interacting with it like, like that, like the goal of what we're wanting them to do. We want it to be a place for them where they just feel comfortable and it is like the other things that they're interacting with on the internet now in the sense of how the content's delivered, what it looks like, the way that it interacts with the child. So all of this, I mean, you know, it takes thousands of dollars just to get all of the content and curriculum ready for one age group of children. And we have eight age groups, I believe. Is that correct? Well, there's five, but if you break it out, yeah, there's a lot. There's a lot of ages. There's a lot of ages plus material for the parents. And so 
just to create the curriculum for all of these. And we have top of the line curriculum writers who are already on this, um, who've written for children before and many different areas where if we said the names, y'all would know the companies that these people had worked for, but we're not going to mention those because I don't know if we're allowed to, but they are, it's, it's just really going to be amazing. And the people that we talk to about it, it is a disruptor. It is something that there's nothing, there's literally nothing out there like it. We're doing something no one else has done before. And we're focusing on children in a way that people haven't before. And we're so excited because we believe that we're investing in the future, not only in the future of our country, so to say, or the future of the next generation, but we're investing in the future of marriages too, because the way that children understand a divorce that's happened and the way that they cope with it and the way that they become resilient is the way that they're going to take it into their marriages. And so this is something we're so passionate about, something that we want help and we want hope and we want healing for the children right now and for the parents right now as they're experiencing it. But when it all boils down to it, an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure. And we are wanting to prevent so many things that might go on in the future from unresolved issues that are caused during a divorce. And so we're not ashamed. I believe this year we're raising $600,000 for What About Me? And we've already had people who have just been listening to the podcast and they have sent in donations to it. They said, I was just listening to the podcast and this weighed heavy on my heart. I wanted to give you 500,000, whatever amount. And so we're so thankful and we are so appreciative. And all of that money that you send for What About Me goes straight to making this curriculum for the children of all different ages. And the faster that we can raise the money, the faster that we can launch it and make it available to all of those different age groups. Exactly. Thank you so much for sharing, Kimberly. I think that was dead on. And, you know, just summarizing it, there shouldn't be any barrier to prevent a child from living a happy, healthy life. And Mm -hmm. we firmly believe that, which is why it's free. It's free for the Mm -hmm. parents and for the children, because we Mm -hmm. believe that. And thank you so much for having me on, Kimberly. I absolutely appreciate sharing about it, and I could talk all day. Um, But thank you again. (laughs) Thank you, Justin. We're so happy to have you on the team doing an amazing job. And again, for the people listening, whataboutme.org, it's still pretty much um, bare bones, but we're putting content out. We have, we have people writing content. There's still stuff there. There's ways to donate there. You can also contact us if you want to. You can visit us at marriagehelper.com. If you want more for your marriage, if you want more about how stop a divorce, if that's something that you're interested in, if you're still wanting to save your marriage, then we provide resources for you for that. And we're more than happy to do it. Justin, we look forward to having you on again soon. Thank you so much for your time today. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye.